So the reading is taken from Ruth chapter 3, and it's the whole chapter, verses 1 to 18. One day, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to Ruth, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you, where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz, with with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself, and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you, he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than which you showed earlier. You have not run after the other young men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it's true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, Bring me the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sarah, thank you for reading that chapter for us. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit speaks to us today through your word, the Bible. 
Please open our eyes to see wonderful things in this ancient text. Particularly, please point us on to Jesus Christ and teach us wonderful things about him. Amen. Well, we come today in our studies in the book of Ruth to chapter 3, and what a chapter this is. It contains a plan which seems to be distinctly steamy, um, a risky nighttime visit, an intimate proposal, an expression of love, and then finally, a gift of barley. It leaves us wondering, well, it's, it's, it's a good story, isn't it? It was lovely to hear. It's a true story. But it leaves us wondering, what are we meant to learn from this? Is this advice for romance? Advice on how to find a spouse? Now, I have to say that I would be the last person to give advice on romance. I remember years ago arranging a first date, and I accidentally sent the details of the date to the 20s to 30s group at the church I was at. So my new friend and I arrived at the bowling alley to find 12 other people from church waiting for us there. And then I remember an early date with Louise, my wife, where I was struck by nosebleeds, uh, not because of picking, um, but because of nerves. And Louise had the unedifying experience of going around the National Gallery with a man with half a loo roll stuck up his nose. <laughs> Well, this chapter is not just about romance, although it certainly includes that. The key to this chapter comes in the word redeemer, which I think the key word of the chapter. Did you notice Boaz is described in in verse 9 as a kinsman redeemer? And then that word redeemer comes again in verses 12 and 13. Now, a redeemer is a rescuer. God was the redeemer of his people Israel. He rescued them from slavery in Egypt and brought them into the promised land as his people. And within his covenant instructions for the people of Israel, God had provided them with kinsmen redeemers. So if a family fell into poverty and they had to sell their land or even sell themselves into slavery, there would be a relative, a kinsman, who had the responsibility to buy them back, to rescue them. And actually, this pattern of redemption extended to relationships as well. So if a man married, but he died before he had children, his brother could redeem the situation by marrying the widow to provide for her and to carry on the family line. So God the Redeemer had built into his covenant with Israel these kinsmen redeemers there to rescue those who were in need. Now, Boaz was a relative of Naomi, Not such a close relative that he had to act in this way. But as we will see, Boaz chose to act as their redeemer. So this chapter really is a picture of a loving redeemer. It points us forward to Jesus, our redeemer, of whom Boaz is a mini picture. And it shows us as well in the courageous faith of Naomi and Ruth, something of what it means for us to have faith in our redeemer. Before we dive in, let me try to recap the story of Ruth so far. Uh, Naomi, with her husband and two sons, had moved from Bethlehem to Moab, which was a traditional enemy of Israel. Uh, The boys had married Moabite girls, 
And tragically, Naomi's husband and her two sons died. And so in chapter 1, Naomi returns to Israel. And really, she's returning to the Lord, the God of Israel. And Ruth, her Moabite daughter-in-law, comes with her. She is committing herself to the Lord, the God of Israel, and to his people. So at the end of chapter 1, Naomi is back in Bethlehem. But she says she is empty. She's physically, emotionally, and spiritually empty. And then in chapter 2, we start to see how the Lord will fill her up and provide for Naomi and Ruth. So in chapter 2, Ruth goes out to glean, uh, to gather leftover grain in the fields. And it just so happens that she ends up in the field of Naomi's relative Boaz. And Boaz is a man of standing, but more importantly, he's a man of hesed. Remember that key word from last week, hesed? It means loving kindness. It's used of the Lord's faithful love for his people. And Boaz shows God-like loving kindness in the way he protects Ruth as she gleans, invites her to join the team for lunch, and ensures that she can collect plenty of grain to take home to Naomi at the end of the day. So by the end of chapter 2, things are looking up for Ruth and Naomi. God, in his loving kindness, has provided them with a man of loving kindness to help them. But of course, things were still immensely precarious. There they still were, two widows, relying on whatever Ruth could glean in the fields. And so today we see how the Lord starts to provide for them in a more permanent way. And we're going to see Naomi's courageous plan, Ruth's bold proposal, and Boaz's redeeming love. And so we start with Naomi's courageous plan. Verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1. One day Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, said to Ruth, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? See, Naomi's experience of God's loving kindness is softening her and turning her out from herself to think of Ruth. And she wants to see if she can provide a home, literally rest, a husband to provide for Ruth. Um, uh, Now, um, she has a plan. She says, is not Boaz a kinsman of ours? As I mentioned, he's not such a close relative that he has an obligation to marry Ruth. But Naomi is thinking maybe he'd be willing to act as their kinsman redeemer. And so Naomi prepares Ruth to propose to him. Uh, It's a well-thought-through plan. Uh, She says in in, in verse 2, tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Uh, That's the place where the grain was sorted out from the husks, and farmers would work there in the day and sleep there at night. And I guess this is one of the few opportunities, perhaps the only opportunity, that Ruth would have to approach Boaz privately. And so Naomi's plan continues in verse 3. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. That's how a bride would prepare herself. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. Wait until he's relaxed and rested. And when he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. 
Well, what's going on there with the uncovering of the feet? Uh, Remember that in, in those days they didn't wear bed socks. This is part of the plan. His feet will get cold in the night. He'll wake up and he'll realize that Ruth is there and that she is asking him to marry her. This is Naomi's courageous plan. And there's a principle here for us. Faith is active and forms plans. And the story of Ruth is is the story of God's sovereign provision. But Naomi doesn't say, God is sovereign, so we'll just sit here and wait for a husband to knock on the door. No, she forms a plan. In the same way, we trust God to provide, but we're right to make plans for our finances, our giving. We're right to be active in in helping our children grow to know and love Jesus. To make plans for inviting people to real lives, for example. Trusting God doesn't mean just sitting there. It means being active and making plans because we know God is at work. Now, Naomi's plan was extremely courageous. You could even say it was risky. And this is not a course of action you would normally recommend for your daughter or your daughter-in-law. Remember, it was a time of lawlessness when violence and sexual assault were rife. How easily Boaz could have rejected Ruth, shamed her, thrown her out in disgrace, even assaulted her. Naomi's plan is almost madness, except for one thing, Boaz's character. Naomi and Ruth have come to learn in chapter 2 that he is a man of God-like loving kindness. They are risking everything on Boaz's character, the character of their Redeemer. And again, there's a principle here for us. Faith acts courageously based on the character of our Redeemer. See, as we get to know Jesus Christ, as we become confident in his loving kindness, we're enabled to act courageously for him. We find we're willing to be known as his followers. That we obey him in sacrificial and costly ways. That we step out to serve him in ways that are outside our comfort zone because we know the character of our Redeemer, that he's got our back. I think one of the dangers as we go on in the Christian life is that we we stop acting courageously for Jesus. Perhaps because we've lost sight of how wonderful his character, his loving kindness is. So Naomi is a great example to us. Faith acts courageously based on the character of our Redeemer. That's Naomi's courageous plan. Well, next we see Ruth's Bold proposal. Say verse 5. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Now Ruth's obedience is so impressive. These days obedience is despised really. It's often seen even as weakness. But it took such guts for Ruth to go down to that threshing floor. She was acting in courageous obedience to her mother-in-law's faith-filled plan. And again, it reminds us that real faith shows in obedience. Our Christian faith expresses itself supremely in obeying God in his word. 
and also in obeying the faithful plans of those in authority over us, which is what Ruth did here as she obeyed her mother-in-law's plan. And the plan works. So Boaz has finished eating and drinking. He was in good spirits. He goes to lie down at the end of the grain pile. We read that Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. And in the middle of the night, something startled the man. So Operation Cold Feet was successful. Uh, He wakes up, and he sees somebody by his feet. It's dark. He can just see a woman. He's shocked. He's startled. And you can imagine he whispers, who are you? And this is where Ruth makes her bold proposal. Verse 9, I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. Now, it's a bold proposal. It's not an indecent proposal. So Ruth is not asking to come under the covers. Now, this is a proposal of marriage. The phrase could also be translated, spread your wing over me since you are a kinsman redeemer. She's asking Boaz to extend his protection to her as her husband. The same phrase, spread your wing over me, is used elsewhere in the Bible for God spreading his wing over his people Israel as their divine husband. And in fact, Boaz used the very same phrase in chapter 2, verse 12, where he spoke of Ruth as having taken refuge under the wings of the God of Israel. So really, Ruth is saying to Boaz, you know that I've come under God's loving protection in faith. I'd like to come also under your loving protection in marriage. It's an intimate and personal request. And again, this shows us something about true faith. Faith is intimate and personal. You don't become a Christian just by coming to church or having Christian relatives or friends. Now, you become a Christian by making an intimate and personal request of Jesus Christ, asking him to be your saviour, to come into your life and be your Lord, to love and to care for you, to be your redeemer. And again, as we go on in the Christian life, it's possible to lose touch of how intimate and personal faith is. It is day by day, personally, entrusting ourselves to the love and care of Jesus, our Redeemer. So what Ruth shows us here, faith, it's it's intimate and personal connection with your Redeemer. And she also shows us that faith is incredibly bold. Just think how bold what Ruth was proposing here was in that culture. Here is a servant, the most junior member of the team, proposing marriage to the boss. Um, a woman proposing marriage to a man in that culture. Extraordinary. Also, a Moabite proposing marriage to a blue-blood Israelite. A poor person with no resources proposing marriage to a rich man of standing. It is incredibly bold. Surely you think, Ruth, this is too much to ask. How can Ruth make such a bold request of Boaz? Well, she says, since you are a kinsman redeemer. She's trusting that Boaz will be willing to act as her redeemer. Actually, when we come to Jesus Christ in faith, we're making an even bolder request of him. 
We come as, as creatures to our creator, as sinners to the Lord we've rebelled against. And we're trusting that he will be willing to act as our redeemer. That's Ruth's bold proposal. And then next, as the story goes on, we see Boaz's redeeming love. Now, the start of verse 10 is a heart-in-the-mouth moment. Ruth has made this extraordinary proposal, and as readers, we're thinking, how will Boaz respond? Surely she's asked too much. Surely he's going to say to her, I'll need to think about that. (laughs) Can I get back to you next week? Or, I was happy to help with a bit of grain, but this is actually a much bigger request. But no, wonderfully, Boaz responds with love Verse 10, the Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You've not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. It's clear that Boaz loves Ruth. He actually sees her proposal as a kindness, greater even than her coming back to Israel with Naomi, because she's not run after younger men. Evidently, Boaz was older than Ruth. Now, these are extraordinary words from a rich man to a penniless exile who has proposed marriage. He sees it as a kindness from her. He tells her not to be afraid, reassures her he will, he'll do what she asks. And he says at the end of verse 11 that he has been so impressed by her noble character. And we, we don't know anything about Ruth's physical appearance. It's her character which has so impressed Boaz. Boaz's love for Ruth is wonderful. He does not say, oh, well, I suppose I'll have to marry you. After all, I am a kinsman redeemer. No, rather, he is tickled pink at her proposal. He is delighted. He's not acting out of mere duty. He wants to marry her because he loves her. She finds love from her redeemer. Now, there is an element of suspense in the story here. In verse 12, we learn that there is a kinsman redeemer more closely related than Boaz. And Boaz will have to discover if that man wants to redeem before he knows if he will get his heart's desire, which is to marry Ruth. And we'll see next week how Boaz sorts that one out. But for now, he responds with love and also with protection. So end of verse 13, lie here till the morning. So she got up, so so she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. Of course, it would be very dangerous for Ruth to go back across the town in the middle of the night. So Boaz asks her to stay until the dawn. Uh, She lies at his feet, nothing improper happens. But Boaz is protecting her. He's also at pains to protect her honor, her reputation, not let it be known that she came to the threshing floor in case people misunderstood her motives. He responds with love and with protection and also with provision. So verse 15, he also said, bring me the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When he did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. Now, some men mark an engagement with a ring. Boaz is a more practical man. Uh, He marks it with a shed load of grain, uh, so much that he had to lift the shawl on her. Scholars think it's about 40 kilograms of barley, so it's a a huge amount. Partly, it was a provision for these two poor widows, but this is also a pledge, isn't it? 
Boaz is saying, this is the first installment of the provision which I hope I'm going to be able to make for Ruth and Naomi once the marriage happens. And so as the chapter ends, you can imagine Naomi and Ruth's excitement as they meet up to talk about what has happened. Uh, Ruth tells her everything Boaz has done for her, adding, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. It's that word empty again. Remember at the end of chapter one, they, they, they were empty. They were lonely, poor, defenseless, and empty. And now there are signs that God is providing for them and filling them up through the love of Boaz, their redeemer, who the Lord has provided for them. Well, as we read this beautiful account of Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, it makes us ask, do we have a redeemer like this? Is there one to give us rest? Is there one to provide for us and fill up our emptiness? And wonderfully there is. Whether we're single or widowed or married, whatever challenges we face in our human relationships, just as God provided Boaz as a redeemer for Ruth and Naomi, he has provided us with Jesus, our our redeemer. And there are significant and wonderful similarities between Boaz, the little redeemer, and Jesus, the great redeemer. First, there is Jesus' love. Wasn't it heartwarming to see how delighted Boaz was to be able to redeem Ruth? He wanted to do it because he loved her. It's the same with Jesus Christ. He's delighted to be our redeemer. He loves us. Sometimes we imagine that Jesus is disappointed with us, that he's reluctantly doing his duty when he acts as our redeemer. Not a bit of it. He's like Boaz. Paul writes in Galatians 2, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus wants to save us. He wants to live in us. He wants to have us with him for eternity. He willingly died for us because he loves us. Like Ruth, we have a redeemer who is willing and delighted to redeem us because of his love for us. Now, like Boaz, Jesus protects That's why he died on the cross, to protect us from our sin and the judgment we deserve. He protects his people now from all that would truly harm us. And he's also concerned to protect our reputation so that when on the last day we stand before God, we won't stand as shamed sinners, but because of him as forgiven and beloved children of God. Our Redeemer protects us and he provides for us. He ensures that his people have all we really need. And remember Boaz gave that barley as as a down payment of more to come. Well, our Redeemer has given us his Holy Spirit living in us as a down payment and guarantee of all that is to come in eternity. All that is beautiful in Boaz the Redeemer is magnified in Jesus our Redeemer who loves, protects and provides Of course, there are differences as well between Boaz and and Jesus. Boaz loved Ruth because of her noble character. But Jesus' love is not based on what we're like. She knows our sin. And he loves us anyway because of his sheer grace. 
Another difference is there was some doubt about whether Boaz could redeem Ruth, that nearer relative who had to be sorted out. But there is no doubt that Jesus Christ can redeem all who come to him. Remember the famous words of Jesus in in Matthew chapter 11? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest, that word from verse 1, what Naomi was looking for for Ruth. When we come to Jesus, our Redeemer, just as we are weary and burdened by sin and suffering, there is no doubt that he will give us rest. So let me leave us with two takeaways as we close. The first is, come personally to your Redeemer. It's what Ruth did in this chapter, isn't it? She came personally and intimately to Boaz, her Redeemer. The Christian life is not just about coming to church or agreeing with certain truths or trying to live a good life. No, the Christian life at its heart is coming to Jesus personally and asking him to be your Redeemer. It's a bold thing to do because we come as sinners to our Creator, asking him to love and protect us. If you come to Jesus Christ, he will certainly accept you. That's how we start the Christian life, but also it's how we go on in the Christian life, coming personally to our Redeemer. That that struggle at work that's just grinding you down. Each day as you go into work, come personally to Jesus and say, spread your wing over me since you are my Redeemer. Now, that sin that we're battling with and we just can't throw off. Come to Jesus, spread your wing over me, Lord. That relationship that's causing such pain and problems in your life. Come to Jesus, spread your wing over me since you are my redeemer. And he will give you his love, his protection and his provision. The Christian life begins and continues every day with coming personally to your redeemer. And then, act courageously for your Redeemer. Remember how courageous Naomi and Ruth were? How bold they were in this chapter? What made them so courageous? It was their knowledge of Boaz's character. Now, if we have a Redeemer like Jesus, how much more bold and courageous we should be. Let us obey him, even when it's costly and sacrificial, because we know that he loves us. Let's be bold in in inviting to real lives, in, in letting people know that we are followers of Christ because we know our Redeemer, we know how he protects us. And let's be ready to serve him in, in new, costly or challenging ways because we know he will provide for us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this beautiful picture of Boaz, the the kinsman redeemer. And how we thank you that we have a redeemer, Jesus Christ. We thank you that all that is good and beautiful in Boaz is magnified in the Lord Jesus. We thank you for his love for us, his, his delight in acting as our redeemer. Thank you for his protection of us and his provision for us. 
And so, Lord, help us to live our lives each day, coming personally to our Redeemer, asking him to spread his wing over us. And make us courageous and bold in his service, and knowing his loving kindness, and that he has got our backs. Amen.